This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Mike Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. Hey, flying solo for this episode. Cousin Shane stuck at work here. But, man, I am sitting on a mountain of coaches' comments from spring football all across the SEC. So we're going to be able to hit on a ton of SEC teams. Wanted to make sure that we left you guys at least one more show before the week's done to get you into that weekend strong. So let's get right into the action. And first comments that we got to play here, not even related to fall camp necessarily, but uh, Nick Saban. Love him or hate him, you know, he is the authority on college football, SEC football, going into his 17th season there in Tuscaloosa. Remember, we all thought, and this guy ain't going to coach two, three seasons down there. He's going to be jumping back to the NFL. Now he's the dean of SEC coaches, and uh, he gave a special shout-out here on Thursday to Mal Moore, the former AD, former coach down there at Alabama, that he Credits Mal Moore for being the main reason that uh, he and Miss Terry decided to leave the Miami Dolphins and come back to college football. It's a, the anniversary, unfortunately, 10 years since the passing of Mal Moore. So Nick Saban gave him a shout out and shared a, uh, you know, a special story that he had here that I thought, uh, of course, Alabama fans will love this, but I think just any SEC football fan can appreciate these. You know, I wanted to mention something that probably doesn't mean a lot to people, but it means a lot to me that, you know, Mal Moore was really close, good friend, a great supporter, uh, really loved the University of Alabama, was here for a long, long time as a coach, as administrator, athletic director. Probably he was the biggest reason that, you know, we came here uh, because of the relationship he developed with Miss Terry and us and, you know, um, I think it's been 10 years since he's been gone, and we certainly miss him. Um, can't tell you how many things that are great sort of lessons uh, and how much gratitude we have for the lessons that I learned from him and the things he did to support to help the program and help us get it turned around. So um, just a thought that everybody might say a prayer for, for a mile. Coach, have you got a, a favorite story about Coach Moore that you could share with us? Yeah, I do. Um, You know, Mal used to always come in on Sunday when I'd be in the back room by myself watching film. And I usually go through the previous game with the coaches, which I watch it early in the morning. I go to church, I come in and watch it with the coaches, and I start on the other team. And at like every Sunday about 3 in the afternoon, he'd come in and, you know, just sit down and I was complaining to him about when Mark Ingram was here, you know, his sophomore year, he carried the ball in the wrong arm a lot. 
but he was having a really, really good year, and we were having a good year. And I said something to Mal. I said, I, I don't know how we're going to get this guy to carry the ball in the right hand. And he, he said, you know, when I was coaching the quarterbacks here, I, I forget the quarterback's name, he said, I told Coach Brian, and it was a starting quarterback, and he was a good player, that if he did something different in the slowing motion, that um, it would really make him a better passer. And Coach Bryant looked at him and said, I don't want to, don't mess with the guy. So what Coach Moore was telling me is, don't mess with Mark Ingram. But he used to tell me stories like that about players all the time, you know, from the past. So um, I enjoyed it so much, but um, I probably didn't tell the story very well, but it was a lesson learned that sometimes, you know, really good players, they might not do things exactly like you want them to, but if they're productive, you know, it's not worth changing them. So going from one coach that is appreciative to another coach that was mad as hell recently, let's kick it off down to Lexington, where I love this. We we not had an update on Kentucky for here in a little while, and Mark Stoops and company, usually what they do, you know, they're just toiling away in the darkness there, getting stronger, tougher, being a program built on physicality and toughness on the offensive and defensive line. Of course, last year you couldn't say that about the offensive line. They're trying to change that. How far that offensive line progresses is going to be basically how far this team can go because they have all the other pieces to have a huge bounce-back season in Lexington. But the way Mark Stoops tells it, this is probably the longest clip we've ever played of Mark Stoops because a lot of times he's short. He, you know, He's been known to joke around, but he was not joking around here. He was pissed off. You know, we even got some profanities from old Mark Stoops. Pissed off, lackluster, no leadership on this team. Let's kick it over to Mark Stoops, who uh, I've not seen him this heated during a preseason. But i got to be honest, I absolutely love it because you know that means he's putting them to work the rest of camp so that uh, you know we don't have another lackluster performance, as he calls it, the rest of spring. All right, guys, I don't have a lot to say today. I mean, just uh, I'm a little frustrated, a little disappointed, a little pissed, to be totally honest with you. I've uh, been, been, you know, just been lackluster the past couple of days. I visited with you yesterday. Yes, it was a great day for Kentucky football. I love the pro day. Proud of those guys and love each and every one of them that trained yesterday and uh, given a shot in the NFL, and, and that was fantastic. And, uh, you know, guys, we got right now, I don't know if they just think they're going to roll out of bed and be good or whatever, but it's, it's not the same. You know, we need to get back and, and play uh, the way, you know, our, our brand was, was made, and that was by being tough and being physical and playing, playing physical on both sides of the line of scrimmage, being able to run the ball, just, uh, uh, you know, grateful for what we have. I just feel like we've got a bunch of guys that are entitled and, and don't work extremely hard and uh, think it's going to happen and uh, are waiting for the next guy to make it happen. And I'm not real pleased, so. What do you it. look to in moments like this? I, I don't know. we got no leaders right now. Mark, were you seeing this before the spring break, or did this kind of start coming back after? I don't know. Okay. No excuse. Bullshit. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. Mark, did you all actually scrimmage today, or was it just a normal No, practice? it was a normal practice. We just moved the ball at the end, and uh, but not to the ground. Just done it and moved it. Offense, I guess, you you want to see a leader. Who are, are the guys that you're expecting to be? I, I, don't, I don't see any right now. 
Was this something that you'd all maybe anticipated would be a problem or is it shocking? I, no, I don't, you know, it, it's day by day, man. We're right in it. We're in the thick of it. It's a new team. We're cultivating our, you know, our team right now and, and learning and, you know, spring balls about fundamentals and discipline and toughness and the basics and, uh, you know, we can't do that. Is there a, an urgency with, you know, the spring schedule not being super long? You don't have a ton left, so I mean, what's that urgency? Get it, that figured it, out. Well, it's it's long for us. We're here pretty long days every day, you know what I mean? These guys are, they are here, you know what I mean? And I understand the, the monotony of it. They're here, you know, at 6 in the morning, 6.30 in the morning, and we have meetings and walkthrough in the off days and practice, so it's, it's long for them. You know, five weeks of the grind isn't exactly easy. You mentioned that but yesterday. Yeah, it's still no damn excuse. That's where we got to get better, and they got to they got to enjoy that part of it. You mentioned it yesterday. The the chip on your shoulder, getting back to that. What, what does that look like from the guys getting back to that chip on their shoulder? Uh, whatever. You know, I mean, whatever. We're meant to be short today, but I'm not going to elaborate. You know what it is. I mean, I don't know. Just a toughness and, a, and, a, and, a, and an attitude. Now, how could you not love that? Especially if you're a Kentucky fan, fired up. Mark Stoops, and they should be pissed. Hell, they let uh, the fan base down and so much expectations. I was one of the few people that was not high on Kentucky last season. Of course, I was vindicated a little bit there. Major disappointment. Now there's some key pieces moving on to the NFL, but they've added via the transfer portal. That should shore up a lot of those deficiencies. So I think with this type of attitude, with this type of, of course, maybe Mark Stoops is saying it because his team's going to disappoint again. I, I ain't buying that, but I think he's trying to light a fire under their ass. And if nothing else, if I'm a Kentucky fan, that's exactly what I want to be hearing from my head coach after last season's disappointment. Seven wins, not good enough on the bluegrass anymore. We're trying to challenge Georgia for being the top dog in the SEC East. Kentucky could be that wild card team to get that done. But uh, I just had I had to lead off with that. I mean, those comments were so good. Now, another team we've not uh, been able to hit on much, just not been finding much uh, nuggets or, or anything on them, but that's Mississippi State. Where they're currently in week two of spring camp, and the new coach Zach Arnett, his first spring leading the program. Of course, this will be his fourth year in Starkville, but – I love this comment. Asked, uh, you know, with this reworked coaching staff, several new coaches completely retooled the offensive coaching staff. How is that coming along? Will the coaches, are they themselves? Usually you're worried about the players. How about the, the chemistry with the staff? How that's going in spring football? And I think this is an indication of the identity of the Mississippi State Bulldogs under Zach Arnett. They say spring is a time for, for building chemistry within the team, but you got so many new faces on the coaching staff. Do you feel like the, the coaching staff is using the spring to sort of come together and form their own chemistry? No, I think we're using it for the same reason the players compete, right? and then in turn that kind of creates some chemistry in my opinion. So uh, it's all about offense, defense, getting after each other, trying to win the day. And so usually uh, if you're a competitor, you like that and you you respect a fellow competitor. So it's, it's been good. How have you seen uh, All right, I love it. And, and I, I feel like he picked this up from Coach Leach because one thing that uh, Mike Leach never got credit for before he was the father of the air raid and all the funny, wacky things he would say, he was an offensive line coach. And his teams went as far as the offensive line performed. When his best 
teams across his coaching career were led not by the quarterback and receivers that put up all these prolific stats, but the offensive line. So I love these comments from Zach Arnett. Clearly, I, in my mind, Mike Leach rubbed off on uh, the Mississippi State head coach. Now, big question mark for Mississippi State heading into the new season. How will Will Rogers perform in this Kevin Barbe system? If you're unaware, Will Rogers has been playing in the same offensive system since high school. His dad was the offensive coordinator at Brandon High School where he came up. They were inspired by Mike Leach and what he did at Texas Tech. So, I mean, he's been playing in the same system virtually his entire football career. Now it's a completely different animal. How's he taken to it? According to Zach Arnett, my man's already making checks at the line of scrimmage. It sounds like it's been a seamless transition. Let's kick it over to Zach Arnett. One more time. We've seen, uh, I know it's a long way to go with Coach Barbe and, and players getting used to this offense, but how have you seen Will grasp it so far? Well, Will's such a professional in his approach. I mean, he probably, I bet you he probably goes through the install three or four times before he ever steps out on the field and, and does it. So he's having absolutely no problems. I mean, you see how he's already checking plays at the line of scrimmage and seeing how the defense is aligned and getting from, might be changing run schemes, might be changing to a play action pass or a drop back game. So. Uh, he, I mean, he's done a great job of, of, of approaching the installation and learning it, and I really like where he's at. All right, next let's kick it on down to Arkansas. We're wrapping up uh, about midway point here in spring for Arkansas as well. Just got back from uh, spring break, I believe, and one thing that Arkansas has relied on seemingly every year is a defensive line transfers to come in, play, and then these guys have been jumping off to the NFL and sounds like they got two more hits here, according to Sam Pittman. Trajan Jeffco from Mizzou, John Morgan from Pitt. They made waves when they landed these two guys. They, according to Sam Pittman, have been the two of the biggest additions to the roster, at least via the transfer portal. Also hearing a lot of buzz about the tight end, Luke Hawes. We're going to need some tight ends to step up in Arkansas' scheme here after uh, Kendall Browse never really utilized the tight end. We're going to utilize it a lot more under Dan Enos. So it's interesting to hear the true freshman, Luke Hawes, who's more of a receiving, I don't want to call him Trey Knox, but he's more in that mold at this point in time, not an end-of-the-line blocker here. So we need pass catchers to step up, look for Luke Hawes if he continues to progress to be one of those guys that will help K.J. Jefferson on the field. But I really thought this was interesting. Sam Pittman asked about the offensive line. That's in flux right now always got to have confidence in the head hog to to get that group whipped into shape considering his long track record as arguably the best offensive line coach in the country but at this point in time with that portal window looming after spring not just the offensive line but all across the roster you don't want to name starters or let clue everyone into who is going to start and who's got no shot at starting for fear of everybody jumping into the portal. So I had never heard of anything like this, but Sam Pittman's essentially switching out the starters in every practice. This is pretty smart. Um, and, of course, he got this idea last season. He said when when depth was an issue, and I'm sure he was sitting back saying, God, it would be nice to have so-and-so step in here once uh, injuries occurred. So let's kick it over to Sam Pittman. I just thought this was some pretty interesting comments here. 
Coach, going back to your offensive line, I'm curious, you're, you're moving guys around right now. Do you have a dead, like a deadline that you'd like to say, hey, here's the five we're going with? Is that something you've got set in stone yet? No. Um, and you know, there's several reasons behind that. I mean, part of it is the damn portal opens up April 15th, too. And you start setting deadlines on who's one and all that stuff in spring ball, and you start getting guys going in the portal. And uh, they don't feel like they have a chance to win that position. So uh, we don't really need to know who that is. Um, we do need to find out. You know, we we practiced all the time, Hutch. We'd practice ones, twos, and then combos where it would be maybe your best, your quarterback's out or your left tackle's out or your center's out. And then you play with those guys to build confidence around uh, their teammates around them. But we've kind of doing that every day. And basically, so you'll know, I've told our coaches to have somebody new in the starting lineup every single day at their position, uh, except for uh, K.J. Jefferson. And one other note here from Sam Pittman that I thought was pretty interesting. They're going to be running plays more on third down to set them up to go for it on fourth down. I thought that was pretty interesting because of the team, you know, failing to really struggling in short yardage and goal line last season. So it's interesting comments, no doubt, from Sam Pittman. And I looked up the numbers. Arkansas went for it 20 times last season. That was the 10th fewest in the SEC. Just for comparison's sake, Ole Miss went for it on fourth down 35 times, which led the SEC, so nearly double of Arkansas. And a lot of their losses, they did not go for it on fourth down. So I don't know if that factored into Sam Pittman's decision or not, but uh, I think only six times they went for it on fourth down in the games they lost. So maybe needing to be a little bit more aggressive this fall in Fayetteville. Let's kick it over to Sam Pittman one more time. Uh, when we get done with that, we'll go into situations, which will be third down. Well, there'll be a situation of third down. There'll be a situation of red area. You know, I, I'm going to practice this year, Trey, for the first time. I'm going to practice third down, play fourth. Uh, I think I've become a guy that's afraid or not afraid or concerned about going for forward on fourth down. And the only way I'm going to find out whether I'm willing to do that is play third down and play third down and go for it on fourth. Uh, never have done that before, but uh, I am going to do that. And there'll be all kinds of kicking. Uh, but it'll be a live scrimmage and uh, with those situations thrown in. Yeah. Hey, Sam, following up on what you were just saying about the fourth down, I thought that was interesting. How does that kind of mesh with Dan Enos's thoughts? You know, has he, has he been more aggressive in the recent years on that? Well, we, we've talked about it. Um, obviously, I haven't ever met an offensive coordinator that doesn't want to go for it on fourth down. And, you know, I, I, there's no doubt that I'm very conservative on that, uh, and I have been. The only way I can loosen that up, uh, and obviously we have analytics, and we've got the we paid a lot of money to have a guy stand on the sideline and tell me it says to go for it and all this kind of stuff. Um, but uh, I just feel like it's just like two minutes. You can't really get con uh, confident in how you handle your two minutes. And it's uh, timeouts and things unless you practice it. Well, we practice it all the time. Uh, I'm looking to see uh, 
I'm really looking to see if if the offense will give me enough confidence to to I'm not going to be Lane ever, you know, at Ole Miss, and it's worked out well for him. Uh, or uh, the, the late Mike Leach, which you know, obviously he he was willing to do that. I don't think I'll ever get to that point, but I want to get to a point to where if I feel like um, it's the right time and things of that nature, and I'm very confident in what we're running. I want to get to the point where I can go for it on fourth down more. And the only way I know how to do it is have that type of situation. All right, jumping down to College Station next where Jimbo Fisher, you know, one reason we're starting to get excited about the Aggies, which seemingly we do every offseason only to have egg on our face by the end of the season, is that experience factor, returning more production than anybody in the SEC. Listeners of this show probably already tired of hearing that stat, returning, I believe, 19 of the 22 starters in the last game they played, which was a huge upset win over LSU. According to Jimbo Fisher, that experience is showing itself on the practice field early in College Station. So I just thought this was pretty interesting comments from Jimbo. Jimbo, I know you're only halfway through, but uh, how much progress or are you seeing, or what kind of progress are you seeing from some of those guys from who were freshmen last year that played? A lot, and, and just from the standpoint of what to expect, more detail in their position work, uh, teamwork, just understanding a grasp of the, conce- the concepts uh, in much greater detail and understanding not just when you're young, a lot of times you understand what you do. Now you're understanding what the guys around you do, which in turn, the more experience you get in something, allows you to trigger keys to how your job is done or about what's to happen or adjustments you have to make and things like that. So, I mean, from that standpoint, from a mental standpoint, there's nothing – that can replace experience. Talent is wonderful, and you, you're very talented guys, but you have to have experience, and I think that's what you're starting to see from those guys in the second year or third year from what you're doing and your schemes and just awareness of the big picture more so than, as I say, you see things through a straw or you can see things, you know, everywhere, you know, down and, you know, drive with two eyes instead of one. And, oh, without doubt, strength, size, speed, and, and also the knowledge. But, see, you see – well, they're stronger, which is true, but when you know what to do better, you know what's coming, it allows you to play faster and, and allows you to play more physical. It, it's a mental and physical difference, which translates to the physical difference that you see as far as how they perform on the field. Front right. Cole. And one other item that uh, I thought was pretty interesting, because, again, Jimbo is very experienced. He's been a head coach for decades here, seemingly, and an, an assistant coach at a high level prior to that. But, uh, you know, with the recruiting Rules changing seemingly every year in the last couple. They're allowing juniors to take official visits during spring. And not only officials, but, uh, you know, unofficial recruiting just get continues to get sped up more and more and more. We're seeing tons of junior players and, and sophomore players committing. Many seniors that uh, have not even started their senior year have already made up their mind. And it's a big reason why when the signing period rolls around, I mean, most of the classes are already put together because the the recruiting calendar just continues to speed up annually. And that is something that uh, Jimbo Fisher, now that he's not the offensive coordinator, play caller, quarterback, coach, and all that, he's having more time to deal with these recruits at practice. I just thought this was pretty interesting, noting that uh, it's not just A&M, it's everywhere across the SEC, but every practice now in spring, 
features a handful of recruits. And then during the weekend, I mean, it's just it's official visit weekend all across the SEC. So let's get over to Jimbo just discussing this new era of recruiting and how his new responsibilities is kind of freeing him up to handle some of these duties while he was maybe not as uh, open or able to do those in years past. Uh, kind of piggybacking on that, uh, Jimbo, how different has this spring been for you with Bobby basically handling you know, the, the minute operations of the offense? Not a lot different than really in the last couple of years because what's changed everything right now, and you don't realize this, but I talk about NIL, it's recruiting rules. I mean, for instance, we have, whether it's five to 15 guys at every practice, recruits. And on the weekends, you're talking about 20, 40, 50 guys sometimes coming in. So the amount of time you're having to spend in recruiting in the last two years for head coaches has drastically changed everything. Because basically, from you understand something, from April 1st till June 24th or 5th, that's an that's a official visit weekend every weekend. And the kids that are constantly coming through now and the transition of players coming to your campus – it used to be a lot. It's more now than it's ever been at any time in, in college football, in my opinion. So, I mean, from those time constraints as a head coach, it's been, it's been that. No, now, Bobby's done a great job what we're doing, which he's done a tremendous job. And also knowing you got an experienced guy in the room when you're in there recruiting and doing things and decisions and he can run. The, I mean, that's a big deal. You know what I mean? But I'm not – he's doing a great job. But for head coaches in general right now, the time constraints in the last two to three years when all those official visits came available for juniors – and the pro that's changed football as much as anything for your time constraints. I mean, you understand, we don't have – there's no weekends. There's no – both weekends, almost both days of every weekend, you're working year-round now, except for if it's a dead period. They're here. All right, next let's get on down to Ole Miss, where, of course, we got uh, arguably the most intriguing quarterback competition all across the SEC with Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders, Walker Howard, trio of quarterbacks competing for that role but are they really what we actually we got comments from Jackson Dart here in just a second but Lane Kiffin I thought is pretty interesting uh, he seems pleasantly surprised by how Jackson Dart has responded to this challenge and that's even coming with all this buzz keep hearing Walker Howard Walker Howard Walker Howard he's apparently the real deal down there in Oxford but uh, his first year in the system his first camp in the system whereas Jackson Dart started all last season and now it's his belief that uh hey i am the starter here interesting comments let's kick it over to lane kiffin and jackson dart on this quarterback competition lane how have you seen jackson handle uh bringing in a couple new quarterbacks i think it's been great for him um i think that it's natural for us not to you know want competition around and um certainly understand that but i think it's been really good for him He's looked great, um, which is strange to say for a returning starter. He's probably one of our most improved players out there, and he looks better physically, mentally, everything. So uh, we're, we've been very excited about him so far. Improved a lot. Where, where do you think you have improved the most? Um, I just think like my confidence in the system. Um, you know, I've talked to Coach Kiffin about this a lot, as well as Coach Weiss, and um, you know, you kind of look at you know, how Matt was from year one to year two and just like his comfortability in the system and how he was able to just operate things. Um, and for me, that's kind of, you know, what I'm striving for. I'm striving for to have like a big year like he did. And uh, so I think just my knowledge of the game, um, 
you know, kind of just being accustomed to this area. Um, you know, this will be year two for me. So just living here and, and really finding like my group and my crowd. Um, so I'm just really comfortable with where I'm at. So I think a lot of that has um, played a tribute to my performance. In your opinion, I mean, do you view this as a quarterback competition? Is that how you're looking at it going into the spring? Um, you know, to be honest, I see my, I, I just see myself as the starter. Um, you know, I, I, I had year one and I kind of established myself, um, have year two and, and kind of just getting, you know, more bonds with the guys on the team, um, being a leader. Um, so I, I feel like I've taken ownership of that and, you know, I'm just ready to do my job and, you know, I'm loving where I'm at right now. So, um, I just, you know, expect myself to have a great spring and keep performing the way that I'm performing. And, uh, yeah, excited to help this team win. And one thing to note there, I mean, with all this uh, positivity from Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders has not been able to participate due to uh, a nagging injury. So maybe that's a factor into it a little bit. But, hey, this is his opportunity to kind of get the momentum, take the lead, and kind of distance himself from Spencer Sanders and possibly Walker Howard also – Maybe that's why we're getting so much buzz from Walker Howard because he's getting all these number two reps where if Spencer Sanders was 100%, he'd be getting, I would assume, as many reps as Jackson Dart. There's only so many to go around. So that is certainly something to consider. Uh, but, you know, for anybody thinking this is just Spencer Sanders coming here and he's going to start and there's no chance Jackson Dart is going to start considering they brought in all these guys – I've been told that Spencer Sanders wanted to go back to Oklahoma State. And apparently Mike Gundy told him no. And the person that told you know, I don't follow Oklahoma State that closely, so I don't know. But the person that told me that I trust, and that's pretty interesting. And I, I, following that move, Oklahoma State had a ton of skill position players enter the portal. I think that was in large part due to uh, Spencer Sanders being unable to return to Oklahoma State. So if that's all true, I mean, maybe Ole Miss seemed like a, a nice landing spot. I know Auburn people like to say they didn't, they recruited Spencer Sanders, but they didn't want him. I don't know how that works, but who knows how many opportunities Spencer Sanders really had across college football, at least at this level. Ole Miss may have been the best he could get because I, I have to believe if he was down at, say, Auburn, he would be the presumed starting quarterback for Hugh Freeze. And again, maybe it's unwise. I'm not sitting here trying to rule him out at Ole Miss. I mean, he's not even hit the practice field in, in full capacity. So things can change. But currently, it's, it certainly sounds like Jackson Dart is making the most of this spring with uh, Spencer Sanders sidelined physically. All right, next let's kick it over down to LSU where a little bit of a staff shakeup here as uh, the, their defensive line coach Jamar Cain has left, I believe, for the uh, Denver Broncos. But either way, he's gone for the NFL. We keep getting these assistants leaving right in the middle of spring. It's got to be a headache for some of these coaches to deal with. But as Brian Kelly talks about here, man, the importance of the defensive line in the SEC is just paramount. I think outside of quarterback, I think defensive line is the most important position in all the SEC. You simply cannot win a championship without stellar defensive linemen, and that is clearly the expectation and the goal 
in Baton Rouge is to win these championships. So Brian Kelly, he's going to be looking to hire a new guy, possibly to promote from within. But given his uh, statements here, it certainly sounds like they're going to try to do everything they can to bring in a, a premier defensive line coach to Baton Rouge. Coach O, where are you at? I'm just kidding. It ain't going to be Coach O. But the ability to recruit and develop these defensive linemen, that's what Coach Kelly is looking for in his next defensive line coach. Um, just you know, with the defensive line, how, how are you guys working things around right now with, with Jamar gone and, and just when do you kind of expect maybe something to happen there? You know, Coach Chapman, uh, as, you, as you know, is, is a, you know, uh, a well-credentialed um, experienced uh, defensive line coach so you know obviously he's coaching um you know the the interior um defensive lineman uh, during the spring we feel great about that and then coach Jancic is is coaching the jack so um from that perspective um you know we'll go through the spring uh, and and then you know obviously we're you know putting together our thoughts relative to um, you know, do we hire um, within? Do we we go outside? I, and I think all of our options are on the table. We, you know, we think uh, it's important that um, you know this is a position that we examine all options. Um, but again, we have you know outstanding coaches here, and um, we want to be able to get through the spring and then and then go from there. When looking for a coach, I guess specifically D line right now. How do you weigh out all the different variables of kind of the pros of being a coach, a teacher, a recruiter, um, experience, all these different things? Yeah, I, I know. I mean, I, I think if you would just look at uh, assembling a staff uh, in the SEC, um, you know, look at the position groups that, that make, you know, such an important uh, impact on your team. And I mean, you'd hard pressed to say that the defensive line is not as as important as any position. So, um, you know, recruiter and and talent developing is got to be at the top of the list. So, um, the ability to recruit in the SEC and and develop talent is is got to be one A one B. So, you know, what does that mean? I mean, I, I think. You know, it, it narrows your pool, you know, from that perspective. Um, experience then comes into being part of that, right? You can't be an inexperienced, never been in the SEC, or knows the recruiting of this landscape um, and, and, and be a, a qualified candidate. So I think just by the nature of me laying out the two most important factors kind of puts you on the path of to what that candidate looks like. And speaking of elite, <laughs> can't utter that word at LSU without mentioning Harold Perkins, the outstanding true freshman linebacker last season, arguably. Now I thought he was better than Will Anderson last year, which is crazy because Will Anderson's about to be a top five pick in the upcoming NFL draft, but that's how good Harold Perkins was in his debut college season. Brian Kelly expecting more from Perkins as he's getting more acclimated with the defense. His responsibilities are being added to. 
getting a firmer grasp of what Matt House is going to ask of him to do this fall. I just thought this was some nice comments here from Brian Kelly. We've talked about this a little before, but with Harold Perkins, where are you at right now in terms of, you know, do you want him returning back inside, kind of hovering outside? What's your – Yeah, we want him playing linebacker. Um, you know, we, we got him on the field last year in an accelerated role based upon the fact that there, there was just too much for him to digest, and we didn't want to get in the way of, you know, too much meant, you know – paralysis by analysis, right? So uh, I thought Matt did a great job of making things uh, a lot smoother for him so we could get him on the field and let him play fast. Now it's it's time to, to take the whole, um, you know, position and, you know, teach it. So, you know, he's a linebacker. He's going to play linebacker. Uh, and um, he's fully uh, invested in that position. So uh, you'll see him playing linebacker for us. All right, next, let's kick it over down to Auburn. We're with a little update here from uh, from Hugh Freeze, who probably didn't appreciate me predicting a win over Alabama year one in the Iron Bowl, especially considering they seemingly have no idea who's going to start for them under center. And, you know, about this time last week, it was T.J. Finley was getting all the buzz. Now it's Holden Grenier, true freshman last year, redshirt freshman this season. According to uh, Hugh Freeze, Grenier is the quarterback that uh, has stood out this week. And it's just interesting comments here as, as the quarterbacks on the planes continue to try to uh, get a handle on what Hugh Freeze and offensive coordinator Philip Montgomery will be asking them of them next fall. Teaching, but I thought the quarterbacks overall last week took a step forward. Anybody I thought Holden Griner. I thought he really, really, really – Stood out all week with uh, with his improvement and his his play, and not that the others didn't improve also, but I thought he uh, he really I, I thought his grasp of of what we were trying to do he was impressive uh, last week. But again, it's it's still a competition. I, I think competition just is good for everybody, and how you respond to it is critical. And so the more we can create and we'll just keep rotating those guys um, to see, you know, kind of how they handle the competition. And, and it's going to, like I've said, it's going to go into fall camp and the off season will play a role in leadership and, and how the players are responding and rallying around you. I mean, that is an, the, the most important position that we have, and so it's going to take time to evaluate it. But I did think they all took some steps forward. Robbie was uh, nursing a. Uh, you talked about quarterbacks. How, how tough is it when you're rotating guys for them to get a feel for everything, especially when you're installing offense? Well, I, you know, I don't know that the rotation. Sometimes you might not have as good a protection in, in one group as you might in the other, so that's a factor. But you still know if your eyes are in the right spot and if your read is correct. And so you didn't have time to adequately throw the RPO. That's fine. But you, at least you made your eyes in the right spot and the ball was you, – you were doing the right thing. So uh, you might not can evaluate everything, but th there's a lot you can. And they're being rotated with different groups. So that, uh, that that's – it's not the easiest thing, but, but yet you can start seeing flashes of they're, they're getting it. They understand it. I will add this real quick. I was on with an Alabama radio station. They wanted to have me on after my 
bold take there, Iron Bowl, Auburn winning it. And basically the guy told me from what they were hearing, they got to add more quarterbacks via the transfer portal. So, hey, I'm not feeling too great about that pick considering that uh, if Holden Grenier, no offense to him, but if he's your best quarterback right now when there was all this buzz about Robbie Ashford heading into uh, this spring, and if it's T.J. Finley, I mean, hell, that might be even worse because we've, we've seen him. He's, I think he's a good backup, but that's about all he is. And, uh, you know, so <laughs> that's where things are at right now. There's a lot of time before now at fall football, but uh, considering it's a new quarterback every week, that's not a great sign, I wouldn't think, for uh, Auburn considering what they have at that quarterback position. All right, last but not least, let's kick it all down to Gainesville where Billy Napier provided an update after uh, the, I believe, the first scrimmage of spring down there in Gainesville. And there was some buzz. They had an offensive lineman transfer from Baylor who came in. He was projected to start. Remember, Florida's having four of their five starters on the offensive line are off the roster, two to the NFL, two to the transfer portal, and off to Southern Cal. So, uh, they brought in this guy, Micah Miyazu, I think is how you say his name. He announced last week, hey, I'm hitting the portal. I'm out of here. <laughs> Since deleted that, sounds like he's going to stay now. But what in the hell's going on there? Billy Napier provides some insight into uh, what was the situation there. I was keeping Micah Mazuka. Um, he wasn't out of practice for a couple of days and then had a tweet that he deleted. Just do you have an update on his status? Yeah, tough dynamic, right? You know, I think um... – a lot going on there behind the scenes, right? Micah, Micah was injured. Um, you know, we ended up doing an MRI. He has a, you know, it's a injury, prior injury that was kind of uncovered, right? Something that's happened in the past for him. So, you know, I think nowadays with these players and the, you know, there's a ton of expectations put on them. Um, you know, injuries are a challenge, right? And certainly puts you in a bad place and. Mike is a guy who is uh, late in his, in his career, certainly had big ambitions here. So this is going to set him back a little bit, right? He had surgery just a few days ago, um, and he will be in return to play protocol. We're hopeful to get him back in training camp. But, you know, 15 years ago, you would have never known about that. You know, the kid goes just through a tough time, and uh, certainly injuries are a challenge, right? And um, you know, we're hopeful Michael makes a, a healthy return and going to help him and support him through his uh, rehab and, and all the things that come with an injury these days. So, there you go. Yeah, and that's just today's modern age of college football and social media. I mean, all, all this stuff gets out there that probably wouldn't have, like Napier says, years ago. But it is what it is, and you're constantly having to put out fires if you're a, a, an SEC coach and – Hey, that's why they get paid the big bucks to deal with all this stuff. Uh, <laughs> but more importantly for the Gators, you know, one thing we are discounting, and we just can't really evaluate it till we see it, is that second-year jump. Which players will get better as they get more comfortable in Billy Napier's program? Napier seems pretty confident that that's going to be coming, so I really wanted to play these comments, especially after kind of downplaying what the Gators could possibly do this spring, at least I have. And the fact that Graham Mertz has kind of come in and been exactly what they need, an experienced quarterback to come in here, execute the offense, may not be a game changer, but at least 
at bare minimum. He's a guy that you can count on to go out there and execute, get the ball in the playmaker's hands, and that may be exactly what Florida needs, particularly considering Billy Napier, the, the style of game he likes to play. He doesn't like to win in shootouts and have his quarterback be some All-American. It's more ground and pound, low scoring, don't make mistakes. He, he, I don't think he got enough credit for helping Anthony Richardson limit turnovers. That was big last season. So let's kick it over to Billy Napier one last time. Thanks, Will. Hurts had high praise for your offense. He, um, he feels like he fits real well. How does he fit in it? And what, what gives you confidence? Because if you look at Louisiana, there was a real jump from year one to year two. About six points, in fact, that, that can translate here. Yeah, no, I'm, um, man, we just weren't very good, you know. I mean, we, we can't, you know. So we're going to get, we're going to improve, you know. I mean, I, year one's blender, man. I mean, there's a lot uh, that comes with it, you know, and certainly in, the the two new variables that were thrown into a mix in a transition year, I think, contribute as well, right? So, got to hire a group. You got to get to know a new group of players, um, new recruiting footprint, uh, new investors, new leadership. Um, you know, just a lot. You know, and certainly new competition. Um, you know, I, I just really have got a lot of confidence in our approach. You know, I think we've hired well, and I think we're all going to get better. And that, that starts with me, right? So, um, you know, it's personal, if that makes sense, you know. I mean, it really is. It's what we do, right? We teach. We coach. Um, we evaluate. We recruit. Um, you know, all those things are part of the job. Uh, but the most important part is the leadership component. Um, and, and, you know, all these things start with me and uh, – Anybody that knows me would tell you that we're going we're gonna to get it right. So, How's Graham going to help there? Yeah, well, Graham's in, he's in competition for the job. You know, I think Graham's um, been impressive. You know, I think he is um, – he's an experienced player. You know, he's comfortable. He started 32 games in a really established program with high expectations. Um, and there's no price you can put on that, you know. So – and I would tell you that he is um, – his approach since the first day he's been here is what you would want from a quarterback. You know, it's almost as if you're acquiring a free agent in the National Football League that's an experienced veteran player and he's learning a new system. Uh, his approach um, has been what you would want. So, um, you know, he, he's off to a good start, and uh, certainly we, we hope he continues that way. The all right, hey, so that's all we got on this episode of the show. Just wanted to kind of empty out the coach clips that we had, again, heading into the weekend. And, uh, hey, be on the lookout here. We should have a next next episode. Should be a pretty special one here. Got another great guest lined up in studio. So hopefully that comes through. Should be uh, one heck of a conversation. So be on the lookout for that next week. But I can't thank each and every one of you enough for hanging out. We'll catch you. On the next one. Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State.